Grab your Bibles. And for about the 10th time this month, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. So as we end 2021 and as we stare into the promise and the potential of a new year, I want to give you four words today. And these four words form a question. And these four words have the power to change our life. Um, These four words forming a question, when answered right, have the power to propel us toward our destiny. And I know that sounds pretty lofty and grandiose, but if you stay with me this morning, I think you'll agree with me by the time we're finished. So we're going to look at one more section of the Christmas story, and we'll use this to springboard us into these these pivotal four words as we start a new year. Um, And by the way, as we look at the Christmas story one more time, I hope that despite everything happening in your life or in the world, I hope that you were able to still touch some of the wonder of Christmas this year. You know, it it gets harder to do that the older we get. Um, I, I remember when I was a little kid, I couldn't wait to set up the Christmas tree. And once it was decorated, I would lay underneath it and just stare up into the lights, and it was just mesmerizing. But I notice now when, when Jess says it's time to do the tree, it, it, it kind of feels like a chore. And I'm like, how long is this going to take? <laughs> I've got a show to watch. I've got something more important to do. It's, it, it's easy to lose the wonder. You know, I, I had a terrible moment of self-discovery a few years ago when I was um, in China, uh, a family that I was with in China was taking me to see the cityscape of uh, Beijing's downtown. And they had their little son with them, and this little guy was amazing. He was just this, this little ball of wonder. Everything he saw was amazing. Every little mud puddle he had to step over was like an epic adventure. He was so um, enthralled with the world. And when we got to the lookout point and we saw the the skyscrapers and the view, his eyes were gigantic, his mouth dropped, and he just goes, wow. Do you know what I thought? I don't know if it was the jet lag, but when I looked up and I saw the cityscape, I thought to myself, meh, New York City's better. (laughs) I mean, how terrible is that? How can you get to a place where you're, you're not stirred or, or moved by something? I think we have to fight to hold on to the wonder as we age. I, I think that if we live long enough, we look behind too many curtains and we see too many times that the Wizard of Oz is a fraud. I think we've had too many heroic leaders that turned out to be less than we thought they were. We've gotten too responsible. We've gotten too intense. And sometimes we forget that this world, even this world right now in 2021, is still bursting with life and hope and wonder and potential. Um, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe said, a person should hear a little music, read a little poetry, and see a fine picture every day of their life, in order that worldly cares may not obliterate the sense of the beautiful which God has implanted in the human soul. There is still the beautiful that's been implanted in our soul and that God wants to activate through the world around us. You know, I think it's interesting that the more our world seems to fall apart around us, 
the more shallow and silly humor becomes. And I love shallow humor, so I'm not down on shallow humor. The Office is one of my favorite shows. I love Nacho Libre, Napoleon Dynamite, and Elf was a classic Christmas movie. Um, So I think there's actually a form of genius in being able to write some of those silly, awkward, humorous moments. But but, um, I also think that maybe sometimes the, the silliness and the shallowness of our world is letting us know that we're not hoping for anything deeper sometimes or more wonder-filled than just a a cheap laugh. I love C.S. Lewis's words. C.S. Lewis said, there's a kind of happiness and wonder that makes you serious. It's too good to waste on jokes. And I'm not down on jokes. I'm just saying that when I look at today's world, and when I imagine a new year in today's world, I think we need something deeper and more life-giving than just another humorous moment from the latest Netflix comedy. I think we need eyes that can look below the surface of a thing. And I think we need hearts that can ask a particular question that can potentially change things. And those eyes that can see into the depths And that heart that can ask a better question, those are some of the gifts that are offered to us through the Christmas story. And in Luke chapter 2, we meet a character from the story that models these things for us. So let's look at Luke chapter 2 one more time. And today I'll start reading from verse 22. And it says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace." For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Uh, This has always been one of my favorite Christmas moments in the Christmas story. And I love how this old man, Simeon, Instead of just quietly fading into retirement, he's still filled with and animated by the Spirit. He's still living out that prophecy from Joel 2.28. Remember the prophecy that, that Peter repeated in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost? Where it says, Afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. I love this Simeon character because he's an old man still dreaming dreams. 
He's, he hasn't lost the wonder. He's still waiting for God to do something new. And when he sees baby Jesus, he runs to the parents, he scoops him into his arms, and he begins to prophesy, which is kind of a natural thing to do when you are immersed in the Spirit of God. When the Spirit is on you and in you and filling you and animating you, you can't help but prophesy. You can't help but speak a word from the Lord. And this was a profound moment because this man was looking at a baby, but he was seeing so much more. Um, Jessica and I have a new baby in our lives. Some of you know this news. Um, everybody knows the news because I talk about it constantly now that, that we have a grandson named Malachi. In fact, I've got a little picture of us with him. If you can see it from that far back, this is a little kiss cam moment up in the upland colonies. Um, since we've had Malachi in our life, we have developed a new hobby, staring. <laughs> it's all we do. He, he, actually, he actually had COVID while I was in Africa, so he's a COVID survivor. Um, his, his father, so my son-in-law, was admitted to the hospital last night. Um, we haven't seen Theo in weeks. He's been very sick, and it's a pretty serious condition, so pray for my family if you think about it. But, but, but babies, they don't even have to do anything to be mesmerizing. We, we have Malachi in our floor, and five hours later, I realize we haven't even looked up. And I know not everybody loves babies, or at least loves holding babies. Not everybody's comfortable taking care of a baby, but there's something about a baby that just makes you stop and stare. Um, I don't know if it's the freshness and the innocence. I don't know if it's the vulnerability or the miracle of life. I don't know if it's because it seems like there's something about a baby that just makes you feel closer to God. You know, there's a lot of young parents that grow up in church and then they drift from the roots of their faith until they have babies. And there's something about having a baby that reawakens the faith roots in a person's life. Um, I, I love that story of a young family who brought their newborn baby home and they had a, an, an older sibling who was about two years old. And when they brought the baby home, the older sister kept asking if she could talk to the baby alone. It's kind of an odd request, and so the mom said, no, it's okay, honey, you, you can hold the baby with me, and, and that was fine, but she kept persisting, I want to talk to the baby, and so one night, they, they put the baby in the bassinet, and then the parents got out into the hallway, and they watched the little toddler toddle into the room. She, she got right next to the crib and, and put her face really close to the baby, and she said, baby, what does God look like? I'm starting to forget. And, and, and there just seems to be something about a baby that, that has the freshness and the life of God. Simeon cradled baby Jesus in his arms. And while holding baby Jesus, he said, God, this is it. This is the promise that I've been waiting for. You can take me home now. You have fulfilled your word to me. I'm staring at a baby, but I'm seeing your salvation, which was very prophetic and fitting because the name Jesus means salvation. Um, wouldn't it be amazing to, to be able to hold a baby in your arms, knowing that this little baby was going to grow up to be an incredible artist or inventor or 
athlete. Wouldn't it be fun to, to hold baby Steph Curry, <laughs> knowing that he was going to grow up to decimate the three-point record in the NBA and, and just crush the competition? Or, or, or let's make it more profound than that. How would you like to have today's knowledge and with today's knowledge hold baby Mother Teresa in your arms? If you had today's knowledge and you were holding baby Teresa, knowing that baby Teresa would grow up to become Mother Teresa, you could say, I'm looking at a baby, but I'm seeing God's heart for Calcutta. I'm staring into a baby's face, but I'm seeing God's passion and compassion and empathy and plan for broken, hurting people in the slums all around the world. It's really amazing. When somebody has eyes to see below the surface into the true beauty and truth that's present. And it doesn't come naturally to us, by the way. Not even every parent has the ability to see below the surface into the potential and beauty of their children. In fact, Winston Churchill idolized his father. He adored his dad, but his dad never bonded with him. In fact, his dad repeatedly said that he thought Winston was slow. He shipped Winston off to boarding school when he was very small, and there were multiple times when Lord Randolph Churchill would be in the same town as his son, and he would deliver a big speech or have a high-level meeting, wouldn't even walk across the street to greet his son. And it haunted Winston his entire life. He never got healed and free from that, that wound. Um, but we need to pray for eyes like Simeon's. Because when he looked at baby Jesus, he saw so much more than a baby. The scripture says that he saw God's intention for the world. Did, did you catch those words? He, he looks at the baby and he says that he, he, he was, first of all, waiting for the consolation of Israel. But, but when he looked at baby Jesus, he saw more than the consolation for Israel. He saw God's heart for the world. He saw a light of revelation for the Gentiles. See, see a lot of people, we, we, we so underestimate what was happening at the Christmas story. God was stepping into the global plan for humanity. Uh, Plato, who influenced our Western civilization more than any other philosopher, Plato believed that there was indeed a spiritual world. There is a supernatural realm, but, but we natural people can't naturally connect with it. Again, Plato shaped the world that you're living in, and this was one of his core beliefs. There is something more out there, but we don't really have what it takes to connect. We need, we need a bridge. And, and so Plato developed this idea that through a special knowledge or wisdom, and he called this wisdom logos, through this Lagos understanding and knowledge, we humans can somehow tap into the supernatural. Plato lived 400 years before the time of Christ. And when the New Testament writers came along, specifically the Apostle John, they, they, they responded to Plato's philosophy that was shaping the world of their day as well and said that we, Plato was onto something. He was right. There is a Lagos. There is a bridge that connects this world with the, the eternal world. And, and, and I'll tell you, Plato, who that was. It, it was Jesus. And so John begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, the, the Lagos. 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says that that Word, that Logos, that essence of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So Simeon's holding a baby, and he's actually looking into the bridge between heaven and earth. I'm holding a baby, but I'm looking into God's declaration of war on sin and abuse and trauma and brokenness. I mean, think about what happened in the life of Jesus. Think about what Simeon was seeing when he looked into the face of that little baby. Everywhere Jesus Christ went, demons shrieked, lost their power, were exorcised, and had to leave people alone. Everywhere Jesus went, brokenness came back into order. He was like a living, walking, cosmic, chiropractic adjustment. And everybody who stepped into his space or his energy, lives became better. Bodies snapped back into place. Relationships got better. Purpose was found. The marginalized were elevated. Purpose was found. And Simeon saw all of that. Wouldn't it be amazing to have Simeon's eyes and to be able to see something so much bigger and so much greater? Now, he wasn't the only one to see some of those things. King Herod, the villain of the Christmas story, saw some of those things. In a limited way, King Herod realized there is a lot more to this baby than what people realize. In fact, this isn't just a little baby that's been born. This is the king of the Jews. And that's why he instigated a genocide to massacre the baby boys that had been born in that region. Um, the, the birth of Jesus was less like a syrupy little hallmark moment, and it was more like the invasion of Normandy on D-Day. God hid the power of heaven inside a baby, and he still hides his power inside unobtrusive, unsuspecting, simple things. So that's a long buildup to bring you to my point. This is all introduction to my point. I, I want to give you the question that can change our lives. There are four powerful words to ponder as we look at the potential of a new year. There's a, a question that can change everything. And, and here it is. When you hold your life in your arms... When you hold your family and your fears and your concerns and your hopes and dreams and where things are going well and where things are falling apart, when you stare into the face of your life, when you hold that thing in your arms, the question to ask is this, what can this become? What can this become? Um, this is not what I was planning, but what could it become now? This is not the way I scripted things. This isn't the path and the plan and the speed that I thought I would get there. But if God worked in this place, what could this become anyway? What could my loss become? Is it just loss or is there anything else buried inside this? What could my, my layoff become? I didn't want to lose my job. But what could this, this crossroad become? Is it just crushing or is there anything inside this? Well, what could that betrayal that, that I'm still trying to get my head around? What could, what could that become? What could it produce in me? Just bitterness? 
just pessimism, just a jaded personality? What could this brokenness become? What could this moment become? What, what could my family's dysfunction become? Did just the end of the road for our family or, or a season of healing? Um, what could 2022 become? See, the future is open. Now, God knows the end from the beginning, but we don't. And we have a role to play in shaping the future. We can ask questions and we can make decisions that affect outcomes in our lives. And the question, what can this be? What can this be now? What could this be if God actually gets a hold of it? It might not be anything that you hoped it would be, but it can actually be infinitely better than you hoped it could be. Is this the end of my story? Or is it the beginning of a new chapter? Um, remember when, when Joseph came near the end of his story at the end of the book of Genesis, and remember he had been sold into slavery and grows up in Egypt, separated from his family, from his, his tribe, from those tribal leaders that Jeremiah mentioned in the video. Um, his brothers start to panic a little bit, thinking he's going to wipe us out. He's going to seek revenge. And do you remember what Joseph said? But Joseph said to them, this is Genesis 50, verse 19, don't be afraid. Am I not in the place of God? Is God not working in my life despite the turn that my story took? Am I not in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended uh, good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That there had to be a moment in Joseph's life when he faced a crossroad. What will this become? Harm, devastation, or good, and salvation. It's not all up to a decision, but it starts with a decision. It hinges with an assessment. I think it's very fascinating that the book of Genesis begins with humans out of all of creation made in the image of God. No other creature is made in the image of God. And then at the end, and by the way, no other creature makes these kinds of decisions. And then at the end of the book of Genesis, we have a human, we have an image bearer saying, you intended this for evil, but something good came out of it. It became something different. You know, you, you might need to sit with this question for a while. You might be able to answer it immediately, but you might need to schedule an appointment with your journal or your coffee or your Bible, and you might need to spread your life out and, and with Holy Spirit eyes, ask that question, okay, Father, what can this become? I'm here. I'm not there. This is where I am. It it's going to become something. What do you want this to be? What do you want this to produce in me? How do you want to use this to introduce me more fully to you? You know, the, the Bible is filled with moments like this. Let me bring the cute couple back up. Um, the, the Bible is filled with moments like this. When, 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 um, when the Apostle Paul met Jesus, what happened? Remember, he, he, he lost his sight and then he gained his sight. When, when Paul met Jesus, there were something like scales that fell off of his eyes and he could see. When the apostle Peter met Jesus in the fishing boat, Peter's eyes were opened. Do you remember what Peter saw? The first thing he saw was his own issues. 
When he saw who Jesus really was, Peter fell at his feet and said, you need to get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And then he saw beyond the sinfulness and he saw his own destiny. Because Jesus said, you're not called to just fish for fish. You're called to catch men. In fact, the exact same thing happened to Isaiah. Do you remember Isaiah chapter 6? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, he saw himself. He said, woe is me. I am unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm like a tea bag, and I've been steeped in the culture a little bit too long. And I've become just like everybody around me. But, but God showed him beyond that. He showed him his true calling to be a prophet that wouldn't have unclean lips, but would speak the clean, life-giving word of the Lord. The Bible is filled with moments where people see God, and then they see everything around them differently. Listen, I can't promise you uh, any of the specifics that you'll see when you ask the question, what can this become? I can't predict what you'll see, but I can prophesy with 100% accuracy that if you look at your life through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, you will see hope. Hope doesn't always look like the script that we had planned. Hope can sometimes look very different, but hope is hope. Hope is powerful. Hope is, is the, the, the life raft that anchors us and buoys us at the same time. It keeps us from going down and, and, it, and it keeps us in place and it lifts us up. And I want us to end by singing about it. Amanda's gonna lead us in that song, Living Hope. Would you stand with me? And let's, let's take a minute here, final moments of 2021. And let's recenter on Jesus and let's reclaim that hope and let's let something fierce and determined rise up in us that says this can be some, become something more than what it is. Good can come even from this moment. There's hope in 2022. Our, our, the God we serve is a God of seasons. From the very beginning, God instituted um, seed time and harvest changing seasons. When a calendar turns, it's more than a token. It's a reminder that God is a God of seasons and he can change the seasons in our lives. And there, there are going to be incredible things that happen for you and your loved ones in 2022. So by faith, let's lean into it and sing into it and, and think about that living hope.